The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the seventh chapter. Now when the Pharisees gathered to Jesus with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is korban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. This is the gospel of the Lord. I have a book at home called The Habits of Health by Dr. Wayne Anderson. And it's, it's kind of my Bible about how to take care of myself. And so it has a whole lot, I mean, it's about yay thick in its workbook size. So it's, you know, big book. And it has all kinds of stuff in there about, um, about habits that you can get into that can lead you to the best health that you can be in. So it has all kinds of stuff about diet, stuff about exercise, stuff about stress and how to reduce, reduce it, stuff about how you can get a better night's sleep and things that we actually do sometimes that get in the way of having a good night's sleep. And so it's, um, it kind of is my Bible, and it's about developing good habits because the key to health is your habits. You got good habits, you got good health. You got bad habits, you're going to have issues, you're going to have problems that will just mount over time. So it's about habits and about getting into good habits. Well, we can get into habits in, uh, in our faith lives too. Good ones and bad ones. And Jesus was coming down on the Pharisees for some of their habits, or he called them traditions, that had grown up over years and years and years, centuries actually, that they were continuing to do. And they did them just because. Not necessarily because they made sense. Now, we know that the Jewish people in their time were among the nations generally the healthiest. 
And a lot of that had to do with all the ceremonial and ritual cleansing laws that God had given them way back in, in, you know, in the beginning. And uh, so it wasn't just for spiritual ceremonial cleansing that they did these things. It was part of their health program that God had given them. But over the years, it got to be where the emphasis was on doing the ritual than on what was behind it. And so the Pharisees noticed that, you know, they came. They're always looking for something against Jesus anyway. So they, they saw their disciples eating, and they didn't wash their hands. Okay, now you've got to realize who the disciples were, okay? They were all working-class people, okay? Some of them were fishermen. Some of them were tax collectors. You know, whatever. they did different things. Well, I'm sure when they're out there fishing on a boat, they get hungry. They're not going to wash their hands before they pop something, a snack in their mouth. Okay, probably the same thing in the tax collectors. You know money is the dirtiest thing that there is out there, okay? And they're handling other people's money, but I doubt they went and washed their hands before they picked up a snack to eat it. So that was Jesus' disciples. But the Pharisees and the scribes, they're coming and saying, how come if you're this rabbi, prophet, how come your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat? Well, Jesus didn't waste any time jumping on that. (laughs) And he called them a bunch of hypocrites. And he said, you say the right things, but it's not coming from your heart. You're paying lip service to all these traditions, but your heart's not it. And then he gives the example of the korban. The korban or korban is something that is dedicated to God, whether it's your tithe or, you know, whatever. But it's something that's been set aside, dedicated for God. But then the law, which the Pharisees, especially the scribes, they were the lawyers, they would really get on this thing about, okay, honor your father and your mother. But then if somebody has to give their korban to the church, to the synagogue, when maybe they really needed that to help their parents out, Jesus said, you're getting in the way of them following the law that God gave through Moses. He said, and you do lots of stuff like that. So he just laid it on. He says, you guys are all messed up. You honor God with your lips, but your heart's not in it. Your heart is a long way away. Why? Because it's, they're doing things in their own self-interest. Because if they can say, this is how you got to do this, and this is how you got to do that, and that's how you got to do that, it's a way for them to be in control. It's a way for them to maintain their authority and power. It's their own self-interest that's causing them to hang on to those traditions. And so Jesus says, you're a bunch of hypocrites. You think you're religious people, and you're not. James kind of makes a similar accusation uh, against us in, uh, in, in the lesson uh, about our own self-interest. He says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your own desires that are at battle within you? He says, You desire, but you don't have. You want something, but you don't have. So what do you do? You kill. You want what other people have, you covet. But you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. 
He says, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you can have something for yourselves. And he's talking about people's motives, why they do things. So, it's really the same thing Jesus was saying. You're going to say one thing, you're going to talk the talk, you're going to say what you think you're supposed to say, but really, it's what you want is what's at the heart of everything. So James, <coughs> excuse me, makes that accusation. <coughs> but then he goes on to say there's a larger problem with this. The larger problem is, don't you know that friendship with the world, in other words, trying to be like the world and trying to elevate your own standing or self or position or whatever in the world, which is usually what self-interest is all about, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. And how many times aren't we driven to fit in? We don't want to be that odd person out there. We don't want to be set apart. We don't want to be ridiculed or made fun of or people to to think that maybe we're kind of stupid because we don't fit in or because we're so different. And that's a motivation for a lot of people, sometimes in big ways, sometimes in little ways. But that motivation is there. We all want to fit in. We all want to be part of the crowd. But when the crowd that we want to be part of, James says, is the world and its standards, then we're at odds with God. In fact, he says we're enemies of God. Because we say we follow him, but what are we really following? And like James says, that battle's back and forth inside of us. It's the nature of sin, and it's there. <clears throat> and that problem, that larger problem of that being at odds with God, is not, you know, it's not just for, for us as individuals that we have that tendency, but but it can happen in the church too. And we've seen it. When the church seeks to be a friend of the world or adapt itself to fit in to the world, then it's at odds with God and it becomes an enemy of God and an enemy of what God wants in the world. And we see that everywhere. We left a church body that's doing that. And there are other church bodies that have done that and are still doing it. And James says, no, that's just paying lip service to the scriptures, lip service to what God, God wants. But our hearts are really away from where God wants to be. And it's a shame because then God's ministry and God's work that he wants to accomplish in the world is hampered. Uh, and and minimized and distorted because of that. So what is it <clears throat> then that God really wants? What does he really want? Well, James lets us know. <clears throat> he says that God jealously longs for the spirit that he has caused to dwell in us. God has put his spirit in us. <clears throat> He's put a spirit of, of love, and power, 
and following, obedience. He's put that spirit inside of us as his children. But James says he jealously longs for that spirit. He wants us then with that spirit and from what he's put inside of us to offer ourselves back to him. He longs for that, it says. That's what God wants. It's like God can't help himself, but when we offer ourselves to him, he's like right there. You know, he's just right there. He, he jumps right there because that's what he's been wanting from us all along. James says, God opposed, he quoted Proverbs and he said, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. So, submit yourselves to God. And later in another verse says, humble yourselves before the Lord. That's what God wants. He wants us to to be submissive to what his will is and what his plan is for us. In other words, that's something from the heart. He wants us to offer our hearts to him, not just pay lip service to something while on the inside we're thinking of our own interests. Offer ourselves to God. Humble ourselves before God. There are two really good promises that, that God makes in the, through James in this section. The first one is in verse 8 where he says, Come near to God and he will come near to you. That's where God jumps into action. You come near to God, he's just been waiting for that. And, and you come to him and say, what? He's going he's gonna to come right there. You open your heart up to, up to God in, in humility and, and obedience, he's going to jump right in to fill it up because that's what he's looking for. He wants you. He craves a relationship with you. So if you draw, draw near to him, he will come to you, he says. And the other one, in verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. You have to kind of try and picture that you humble yourself before the Lord. If you were to picture that, it'd be like you come before the Lord and you fall on your knees, you bow your head, and you know you, you get low before the Lord. And then he reaches out his hand and he says, give me your hand. And he takes your hand and he lifts you up and stands you up. That's the picture of what God does for you. That's what he wants to do for you. And when we come to him with our hearts open and humble, then God is right there to lift us up and to encourage us. He draws close to us in that time. He wants much more than lip service from us. He wants what's in our hearts to be offered to him. That spirit that's in our hearts, he wants it back. And when we do that, then, then God will touch our hearts and he'll bless us that way to kind of end this message is for us to take just a couple of minutes to do that. Where we're going to come to God and we're going to come to Him with a simple little song. And as we sing this song, you can go ahead and put it up. <coughs> as we sing this song, you may, if you know it already, we're going to do it a couple, three times. If you already know it, join with me singing it the first time. Uh, you've probably heard it before. But as you do that, I want you to imagine and and create a picture in your mind. Create a picture of your mind that you're in the presence of God. In whatever environment 
you want it to be, whether it's in like a church setting or a nature setting or in a uh, quiet room in your house or wherever, but you and God are sitting there. And let this be something sincere, not from your lips, but from your heart. I love you, Lord, and I...